0: The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This morning, we have heard proclaimed the gospel concerning of the ruler, the rich young ruler, who goes away sorrowful after God, our Lord Jesus Christ, has revealed to him that there was one thing lacking. The beginning of the interaction is rather interesting. A ruler comes to him and says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Have you ever (coughs) scratched your head as soon as he says this? Uh, Of anyone I'm going to call good, who would you call good? Jesus Christ. So what is he doing here? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness on your father and mother. These, of course, are the basic building blocks of Jewish law. This is what God revealed to Israel. These are the basic Ten Commandments. Do not do these things. In fact, probably almost every civilization known to man has some aspect of almost every one of these teachings. If you want a society that is going to work, uh, it is good to have faithful relationships. It's good that you don't kill each other. It's good that you don't steal from each other, because that would probably lead to the killing of each other. Uh, That you don't lie, because that would probably lead to killing each other. That you honor your father and mother. That can also lead to possibly killing each other. We need these commandments. And of course, the young ruler says, all these things I have kept from my youth. This is another point in the gospel where I I step back and I scratch my head and I say, really? The rich young ruler, maybe he did not, by the letter of the law, commit adultery. I'm sure he did not murder someone. That's a rather low bar, I think, uh, for self-reflection do not steal I don't know if there's a child who could possibly say I've never stolen anything but he says from my youth up has anyone ever children snuck a cookie (laughs) yeah without asking even though you're told you should ask (laughs) Do not bear false witness. Do not lie. From a youth up, children, have you ever lied? Maybe fudged a little gray here and there. Honor your father and mother. I will not ask. <laughs> I, I remember very vividly my parents telling me, whatever you do now, all the things that are happening to me, you will get it Tenfold. They were not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus hears these things and he tells him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now, I've already kind of troubled the water of what the rich young ruler said that he has kept all these things from his youth. Let's imagine that this is so. Maybe it is so. Our Lord says, you still lack one thing. And I think that is this, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. That actually helps us understand what is earlier in the conversation. When Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You have Jesus focusing the conversation. He's already taking the conversation beyond pleasantries, right? Who doesn't come up to somebody and say, You know, good morning, dear sir, or, you know, good morning, father? Uh, all of these kind of basic interactions. To come up and say, Good teacher would be a normal thing to say, giving accolades, giving the respect, giving the honor that is due. But Jesus is already redirecting the conversation, taking it deeper, taking it beyond the surface. Why do you call me good? No one is good. No one is good, but one that is God. Now, I do not think this is Jesus denying his divinity here. <laughs> of course, obviously. <laughs> what it is, and most of Jesus' interactions, say all of Jesus' interactions with those in the gospel are pedagogical moments. There are times where he is taking someone deeper into the kingdom. He is redirecting the conversation and saying, You look to me, you have this kind of idea of the way things are. And as he discovers from the rich young ruler, he has a particular idea of what holiness is. He has a particular idea of what it means to be good. But Jesus is already beginning to increase, to make goodness, to preside ultimately and finally in God. When we say that something is good compared to God, we know that we're not really comparing things here. God's goodness is such that it overwhelms everything. So for the rich young ruler, when he says, I have done all of these things for my youth, and Jesus is saying, you still lack one thing. I would submit that it's not just that Jesus is saying the one thing, the basic thing that you need to do is sell all your things. That's what the everything else is. All right. You are an upright Uh, believer in God, you're obeying the commandments, I think he is actually going right to the heart of the matter. He's getting the rich young ruler where the real, um, I always use this metaphor, where the rubber hits the road, where you really know where the goodness is. Give up everything. Sell everything. If you are good, if you have followed God completely with your entire heart, we're going to go to the depths. For the rich young ruler, this was his possessions, his money. I would ask us this morning to consider what it means for us to be lacking in one thing. We all know more than likely are familiar with our own weaknesses. I'm sure you're possibly more familiar with your own weaknesses. Well, maybe you're not more familiar with your own weaknesses than your neighbors. (laughs) That could be a weakness. (laughs) But most of us are quite aware of our basic weaknesses. And for many of us, these kind of boil down to a particular few things, or we could boil them down to a few things maybe even possibly one thing that is the kind of overwhelming overarching undergirding flaw problem struggle thing that we have that most of the time we elect, it, it exists it's there we kind of you know put it in the closet put it away somewhere else and we do the other things decently well I don't commit adultery, I do not murder, I do not steal. But this one thing that's lacking, more often than not, what it really leads us to is exactly what the rich young ruler here says. His reaction to Jesus' challenge to him is to become sorrowful. Most of the time, the flaw or the thing or the struggle that we have is something that we carry deep within us, maybe attached to some kind of trauma, maybe attached to some kind of thing that we've relegated to. It's not that big of a deal. I'm managing it. I've got it under control. But when we're true with ourselves, when we stand before God, who is the only good one, this can overwhelm us it can bring great sorrow, great despair. And it can push us to not actually following Christ. Push us to the point where we go away sorrowful. Jesus says in reaction to this despair and this sorrow, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. What is in our life that we have on us, the monkey on our back, the thing that binds us? What is it? Those who heard Jesus saying this, they said, who can be saved if it is this hard for someone who is rich, if this hard for someone who is lacking one thing, who can be saved? Jesus replies, things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Today we commemorate the holy prophet Nahum. You probably did not expect me to make a move to Nahum. Are any of you familiar with Nahum? If you had asked me 36 hours ago, what is the prophet Nahum? I would have said, I think Father Stephen reflected this last night, uh, one of the 12 minor prophets. (laughs) Uh, Does anyone know what the name Nahum means? That's good, because I didn't either. Nahum means comforter, consoler, Have you ever read the book of Nahum? This is usually one of those books that gets passed over. If you've read the book of Nahum, you might step back and wonder, why is Nahum called the consoler, the comforter? Nahum follows Jonah. What is Jonah's mission given to him from God? To preach to preach, preach, preach to the Ninevites, to preach to Nineveh, to repent. What does Nineveh do? They repent. Jonah is sad. Jonah sits under a tree. God tells him to get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Nahum is after Jonah. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Assyria is one of the great enemies of Israel. And if you read Nahum, Nahum is a prophet consoling Israel because God is going to judge. Not only judge, but he's going to destroy the Ninevites. Here is Nahum chapter 1, verse starting in verse 2. God is jealous, and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. This language is strong That's maybe an understatement our God is the one who before the entire world the whole world trembles before him when Jesus says that things are impossible with man but they are possible with God that God is good this is the God that he is talking about who are the enemies of God The enemies of God are the powers and principalities, the one thing, that monkey on our back, the thing that we feel completely ensnared, bound to, enslaved, put in chains, and we can't, for the life of us, get it off of us, get it out of us, walk away from it. When Jesus says that with God, all things are possible. He is talking about the God depicted throughout the Old Testament scriptures, especially the Psalms, as a divine warrior. The one who comes, redeems Israel from its enemies and destroys them. Verse seven, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place and darkness will pursue his enemies. Who are our spiritual Ninevites? What is it that so easily ensnares us? What is it that we need to take on? Our God can work wonders but it is if we show up to be able to take on that one thing. So my challenge and my encouragement, if there is one thing that you have put on the shelf that is just the overwhelming thing, the thing that continually trips you up, take it off the shelf and attempt to actually uh, defeat it. The Holy Fathers, St. Gregory of Nyssa, especially, when he talks about our spiritual life can be overwhelming, right? Maybe it's the one thing, maybe it's the three things, maybe it's the five things, and then it's just kind of, here we go, right? There's all of these things that are just overwhelming to us. St. Gregory of Nyssa, when he talks about virtue and the vices, he basically boils down all of the virtues that they're all one thing, really that at the end of the day, if you were to take on a battle with a particular passion, a particular trouble, a particular problem, that one battle, focusing on that one thing, you can't correct everything, but focusing on that one thing, actually all other virtues will follow in its train. If you take on, through serious prayer, through fasting as a church has given us this opportunity right now to fast and prepare to take on one thing, one challenge, one thing that we lack. It is impossible for us to do it. But with God, it is possible. With God, with the angels, with your saint, with all those who pray for you, who uplift you? It is possible. It may take time, it will take time. Nothing happens overnight. but with God's help, all things are possible. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory.